G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is the last of our Kingdom Come series, looking at the Gospel of Matthew, and it's entitled Trouble at the Wedding, and it looks at Matthew 22, 1-14. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 22, beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people there they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. like to take a seat. Um, We're going to dive into that passage that Ken just read and would you please pray for me as I pray for you as we open up this very interesting parable together. Loving Lord God, we thank you for your invitation to us to join you at your great wedding banquet. We pray Lord that you would help us to receive it with joy and to act on your invitation to come. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, friends, uh, I want to open this morning with a question. Uh, When you think about heaven, what image pops into your mind? There are lots of views of what heaven is like. 
Perhaps you remember the Philadelphia heaven from the ads in the 2000s with the angel, the wings. I've got a little clip of it. Uh, Meg, can you press that button and we'll watch that little clip? Heaven is like, next one. I have nothing, nothing. Thank goodness for Philadelphia. With 60%. Yep, so the angel, she's got nothing to wear, but thankfully she's got unlimited supplies of Philadelphia cream cheese to eat and that makes heaven okay. <laughs> Uh, maybe you think of Citizen's Heaven, where uh, there's raucous Catholic heaven on the left um, and, and posh Protestant heaven on the right. <laughs> maybe you think of uh, Harry Potter heaven, a long corridor filled with light and answers to your burning questions. Today, Jesus tells us what heaven is like in Matthew 22, verse 2. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. He prepared a wedding banquet for his son. A royal wedding. That sounds nice. Um, perhaps a bit like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding. Well, a bit like Harry and Meghan's marriage, uh, this story from Jesus has a few twists and turns. It's got a lot to tell us about heaven, and it's got even more to tell us about Jesus and who God is and what that means for us. As we've seen over the last three weeks, Jesus is preaching in the temple courts in Matthew 22. He knows his time is coming. His critics, the chief priests and the elders, confront him and say, who do you think you are? And by what authority are you healing people and teaching them and even doing stuff in the temple? And Jesus responds with a trifecta of stories all which really ping off those who don't like him. In fact, his final story seals his fate, because in verse 15 we read, when the Pharisees went out and laid plans, sorry, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. It's the final nail in his coffin. So today we're going to look at one wedding and four funerals. Uh, we're going to see that heaven is filled with guests, but those we think are actually in, who, those we think are actually in are out, and those we think are actually out are in. Finally, we're going to look at what Jesus means when he says, "Many are called, but few are chosen." So today's parable starts with a cute story about a king planning his son's wedding. Back in Jesus' day, weddings took ages to prepare, so you'd send out pre-invitations, months in advance. And when you've got all your food, got all your drink, got all your party supplies ready, then you'd send out your servants to go and get those who had RSVP'd yes to the wedding. This is exactly what happens in Jesus' story, but the process doesn't go as planned. Look at verse 3. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Now, if you got an invite to a royal wedding with months' notice, would you back out at the last minute? Absolutely not. This is the first funeral in the parable. The first invitation goes down the drain. It's a slap in the face to reject a king like this, but it's also an act of cold-blooded rebellion. The king's 
subjects are saying, stuff you and your son. We don't care about you or your dumb wedding. Now, to treat your king like this would have been bad enough today, but back then it was treason. And we'd expect the king to get revenge right there and then, but he doesn't. Instead, he pleads with his people in verse 4. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. The king takes the slap in the face and gives the face slappers a second chance. Now, to break this story down for you, in this parable, the king is God, the son is Jesus, and the servants are the prophets, the prophets who came to Israel pleading with the people to come and receive their king. The guests who are invited first are the religious leaders, the same ones that Jesus is speaking to right now. Here are God's people in God's temple slamming his son and saying, who do you think you are? And Jesus says, I'm God's son, sent into the world to invite you into God's kingdom. I'm your second chance. Sadly, Jesus knows they won't take it. And this is the second funeral. Verse 5. They paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. And this is where the king has no choice but to respond. His servants haven't just been rejected, they've been abused and then murdered. A lazy and cowardly king might do nothing, but this good king responds with justice. Here comes the third funeral. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Now, you probably don't feel comfortable thinking about God as the type of king who would burn people who spurn him. But this is what Jesus is warning us about. And remember, it's a parable. He's telling us that God isn't some cute ancient uncle who sits in a corner hoping we might throw him a prayer or do something nice to validate him. God is merciful beyond compare and he's also just. He's inviting us all into his kingdom. But we have to understand that saying no to God and then living in his world as if he doesn't matter doesn't get us off the hook. There is judgment for those who break God's laws, whether we like it or not. Just like in the parable of the tenants last week. The religious leaders in Jesus' day rejected him because they didn't want to give up their power and their status. Jesus here prophesies that he will be killed and they will do the killing. This is still a pitfall for religious leaders and religious people today. We can take our own ideas way too seriously. We can get caught up in our own thoughts about who is in and who is out. And we end up kicking the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit out of our church. 
The question, if Jesus came to our church today, would he be welcome, applies to us. And we should think about it today. The fourth funeral is that of the man who isn't wearing any wedding garments. He's a mysterious character, uh, and the question of why this guy gets thrown out really makes preachers' knees knock. So we'll get to him in a second, but first, let's look at what the king does next. This is the good news. The king has been rejected twice. His servants have been treated brutally, but he is not done yet. Look at verse 8. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go, go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. The street corners were places where everyone would meet. Rich, poor, young, old, foreigners, locals, beggars, black, white, and brindle. The believers and the skeptics, the disabled and the able, the good and the bad. The street corners were a place where all sorts of people met, and this is where the king goes to find his guests. This is audacious, it's unheard of, but this is the God of the Bible. Many are called, and the wonderful news is they accept. And the party is top-notch. It's lavish. Because the guests were called in at the last minute, and because many of them would have been poor, uh, we can only assume that they would have been gifted with free wedding clothes from the king, at the king's expense. Here's a tuxedo. Put it on. Here's a beautiful wedding gown. Have it. It's yours. Need a shower? Go use my bathroom. (laughs) A party like this would have had the best wine and the best sweets. Jesus' first miracle, does anyone know what it was? Water into wine, wedding at Cana. Think of wedding like that. A party like this would have had oxen and fattened calves, that's what Jesus tells us. Prime, grass-fed, aged, ribeye fillet is on the menu, guys. The crowds gathered in the third round of invites would have never seen a party like it. The meat comes from the king's own paddocks, the wine from his cellars, and the wedding clothes from his own tailors. Friends, here we need to see that the gospel is a gift for us, but it's costly to God. God sacrifices energy, his honor, And most of all, in Jesus, God sacrifices his very self to make a way for us in the most wonderful party ever. And it's not a funeral party. It's a resurrection wedding party. Looking forward to it and living for it should fill fill us with joy and wonder. How good is God, friends? How good is God? And here we need to see the heart of God. God isn't an angry tyrant. He's not a guardian of the galaxy, sending a privileged few people to heaven and all the rejects to hell. God is a good and gracious king who's going out into the highways and byways, calling 
you calling us, calling everyone to come. The banquet hall is filled. There are a plethora of guests from everywhere, from all backgrounds, united humanity in God's banquet hall. It's packed to the rafters with unworthy randoms. Everyone is having the time of their lives. Everyone except one. And he is the reason why preachers rarely choose this passage from Matthew 22. And he's the reason why verse 11 is sometimes glossed over. But let's read it anyway, because I'm a sucker for punishment. (laughs) But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. There's someone in the room who sticks out like a sore thumb. He's not wearing wedding clothes. Now, it's not that he's, not wear- he's wearing pluggers and stubbies uh, while everyone else is wearing their Sunday best. This isn't simply a dress code problem. This man isn't wearing the wedding clothes we can only assume the king would have given everyone. And he hasn't even opted to wear his own wedding clothes. This man is doing his own thing. He's not here for a wedding. And what's worse, when the king asks him why he doesn't have his wedding garments on, and he calls him friend, he comes up to him and says, friend, what's going on? He has an opportunity to give an explanation. The man doesn't say, well, I didn't have time to go and change. Or he didn't say, well, I'm too poor. I don't have wedding clothes. Or he didn't say, I'm not from here. I didn't understand that wedding clothes were needed. He's speechless. He's without excuse. Now, commentators agonize over this. Who is this man and what's the issue? What are the wedding garments? Well, the great Martin Luther uh, swings it this way and says, the wedding garment here is faith, which many will lack on judgment day. Now, perhaps this is the case. Faith is a gift from God, and in Ephesians 6, we are told to put on the full armor of God, which includes the shield of faith. Others say the wedding garment symbolizes good works that come from faith. They point to Colossians 3.12, which says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are both good options. But sadly, they set up an argument between Christians where some people say that we might not have enough faith and we might get kicked out of heaven. Or others worry about whether they've done enough good works to stay in heaven. Do I have the right clothes on? Ultimately, there's no point in arguing about the marriage garment, though. Whether it's faith or a holy life, faith cannot be separated from good works, and works can't be separated from faith. The problem with this man isn't his clothing, but his attitude. 
he wants to enter the king's banquet hall on his own terms, wearing whatever he likes. And if the king doesn't like it, tough. Sadly, sometimes we treat God this way. Walking into God's house and telling him, I'll wear what I want to wear, thanks very much. Or we'll believe whatever we want to believe, thank you. And do whatever we like. This is the attitude of this man. He doesn't want the king. He doesn't want to celebrate his son. He just wants the king's stuff. He just wants to enjoy the party without obeying the king and without honouring the king. And again, Jesus shows us that the king is just. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a sad end to this story, but it makes Jesus' point perfectly. As his bullies surround him, probing him about where he gets his authority, planning his demise, Jesus is revealing the truth about us, and more importantly, about God. We were made for God's glory, and our souls will never find rest until we find our rest in him. That's what we sang at the beginning of the service. God is a good God, and he calls us to follow him. The question is, will we obey? Will we receive the invitation and come to the party? Will we be like those first invited, people who have every chance to follow God from the beginning, but when push comes to shove, we reject his invitation because we're too busy, we're too caught up in our own thing to come? Will we be like the bloke without the wedding clothes on, happy to come into God's presence, pretending to answer his call, but only on our terms and only in our preferred way? Or will we fully accept God's invitation to come into his kingdom, knowing that there's nothing we've done to deserve it? Will we throw ourselves on Jesus, joyfully relishing all he's done for us and all he is for us? Will we pray, Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. Looking forward to all God has in store. Friends, God's kingdom is coming. One day soon, Jesus will reconcile all things and make all wrongs right. Let's accept his invitation and draw near to Christ today. Amen.